And welcome to The Word Encounter, episode 172. And today we're going to be covering two books, the book of Nahum and the book of Habakkuk. And um, these books are, are, are slightly different than the other prophetic books in that uh, they are not prophesying to the people of Israel or Judah. Uh, Nahum is prophesying against the kingdom of Assyria, and then we'll see that Habakkuk is really having a conversation with the Lord about what he feels is unfair in his judgment. And so uh, this should be very interesting. <laughs> First of all, with Nahum, in the time frame, both of these books are fixed uh, somewhere uh, in the vicinity of 600 B.C. Uh, we see that uh, Nahum, they're both in the southern kingdom, they're both in, in Judah, and we see that um, this is a time when uh, the uh, Assyrians were the top dog in the region, and uh, they had already conquered the northern kingdom, and they were making attacks against various cities in the southern kingdom, and so the Judeans uh, were very afraid of the Assyrians. And this is the time when uh, Nahum was doing his prophetic word. And he was delivering unto the people hope and whatnot, as that is what the Lord had assigned him to do. So with that, let's get started. <clears throat> and it says in verse 2, God's vengeance, chapter 1, it says, the Lord is a jealous and avenging God. Let's stop right there. A lot of times people, when they think of God, they think of, you know, God is love, God is this. So everybody has their kind of own conceptions of who and what God is, as opposed to just taking what the Bible says uh, about the Lord and who he is. And the word says, and this isn't all that he is, but the word says that he is a jealous and avenging God. Now, when you think of jealousy, we tend to think of things um, negatively with that particular term. But God is very jealous, as we see. He's jealous for his people's affection. He's jealous for his people's devotion. He's jealous for his people's worship. He's jealous for his people's loyalty. You see, And so when he doesn't get these things from his people, it upsets him. And he avenges his word. He avenges his person. You know? And so this is very consistent with the word of God. And so it says, the Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is fierce in wrath, you see? So yes, God is love, but he's also fierce in wrath. <clears throat> the Lord takes vengeance against his foes. He is furious with his enemies. He is not kind to his enemies. He does not have, you know, pleasing thoughts with regard to his enemies. It says he is furious with his enemies. <clears throat> the Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. The Lord will never leave the guilty unpunished. See, this is critical. The Lord will never leave the guilty unpunished. Now, part of the problem, maybe even the dominant part of the problem uh, with us from a human perspective is that we don't see uh, Lord, the Lord's uh, vengeance and we don't see the guilty punished in the time frame that we want to see them punished. See, so what happens is we get impatient because we don't think our enemies and those people that we consider uh, ones that are against the Lord, we don't get to witness sometimes their punishment. And it's very unsatisfactory to us. See, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, the Lord does things in his timing and he doesn't have to explain that to us. It says his path is in the whirlwind and storm and clouds are, are, are the dust. Uh, are the dust beneath his feet. Clouds are the dust beneath his feet. <laughs> Destruction of Nineveh in verse 7. It says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in a day of distress. He cares for those who take ref refuge in him. 
So you seek the Lord for his protection, you see? And he says he cares for those who do that. He says he's a stronghold in a day of distress. In verse 8, but he will completely destroy Nineveh with an overwhelming flood, and he will chase his enemies into darkness. So again, this is Nahum delivering a word to the people in the southern kingdom, and this is a, a word that they, that they gladly want to hear because, like I said, they're deathly afraid of the Assyrians, and that's what the Ninevites are. They're, Nineveh is a city, is the capital of Assyria. And so <clears throat> it says that he's going to chase them into darkness. Let's go on. In verse 12, it says, promise of Judah's deliverance. It says, this is what the Lord says. Though they are strong and numerous, they being the Assyrians, the Ninevites, though they are strong and, num and numerous, they will still be mowed down. See, the Lord is saying, look, yeah, I know, I see what you see. You see that they're strong and numerous, but I don't care. They're still going to be mowed down. And he will pass away, he being the Ninevites or the Assyrians, and he will pass away. Though I have punished you, I will punish you no longer. And so the Lord is saying, though I have punished you, Judah, I'm not going to punish you any longer from these Assyrians. See, they're going to be run away. <laughs> You're still going to get punished, but not by these guys. It says in verse 13, for I will now break off his yoke from you and tear off your shackles. See, So he's saying that I'm going to loose you from the shackles of the Assyrians. So don't be terrified. The Assyrians king's demise. Okay. Verse 14. The Lord has issued an order concerning you, concerning you, king of Assyria. There will be no offspring to carry your name. I will eliminate the carved idol and cast image. See, it says, I will eliminate the carved idol and cast image from your house of your gods, from the house of your gods. I will prepare your grave for you are contemptible. And so the Lord is telling the king of Assyria, look, you idol worshiper, <laughs> you know, I'm going to render those things useless carry him away from you. And he says, I will prepare your grave for you are contemptible. I'm going to prepare the place for your um, eternal rest, king of Assyria. That's what I'm going to do. All right, let's go on to chapter two. It says, attack against Nineveh. One who, uh, one who scatters is coming up against you. Um, wait, let me restart this. One who scatters is coming up against you. Man, uh, man, the for man, the fortifications, watch the road, brace yourself, summon all your strength. The Lord here is mocking the Assyrians. He says, he says look, a man who scatters me is coming against you. And so man, your fortifications, watch the road, brace yourself, summon all your strength. <laughs> it's going to amount to nothing. But in verse two, for the Lord will restore the majesty of Jacob. Yes, the majesty of Israel, though ravengers have ravaged them and ruined their vine branches. And so the Lord is saying to the Assyrians, look, you have ravaged my people, okay, but I'm going to restore them. It says, the shields of his warriors are dyed red. Now he's talking about the Assyrians. The shields of your warriors are dyed red. The valiant men are dressed in scarlet. Now, <clears throat> let me back up. So what would happen in, with some armies is that they were dressing red and whatnot to mask any wounds from blood, right? So if you have on scarlet, if you have on red, you know, uh, uh, red dressing, uh, red shirt, red pants, whatever, then if you got shot by an arrow or stabbed with a sword or whatever, uh, the enemy couldn't tell that you were wounded. It says, the fittings of the chariot flash 
like fire on the day of its battle prep, uh, preparations and the spears are brandished. And so this army is, the enemy's army is ready to go to battle, is ready to go to war. So let's drop down here, verse 13. But the Lord says, beware, I am against you. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. I will make your chariots go up in smoke and the sword will devour your young lions. It says, I will cut off your prey from the earth and the sound of your messengers will never be heard again. Chapter three, Nineveh's downfall. Woe to the city of blood, totally deceitful, uh, full of plunder, never without prey. Verse four, because of the continual prostitution of the prostitute, <laughs> so was the, the prostitute is going to do what the prostitute does, which is prostitute. So because of the continual prostitution of the prostitute, the attractive mistress of sorcery, who treats nations and clans like merchandise by her prostitution and sorcery, I am against you. See, you treat nations that you conquer and, and whatnot via prostitution and sorcery. You know, you, 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 you seduce them into your worship idol. You know, you conquer them, then you seduce them in, into your worship idol uh, uh, via carved images and sorcery and all this. And it says um, uh, you treat them like merchandise. The Lord is saying in verse 5, I am against you because you do these things. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. I will lift your skirts over your face and display your nakedness to the nations, your shame to kingdoms. And so the Lord is saying, I'm going to display your nakedness and your shame to, uh, to other kingdoms and nations so that they, can, they don't have to be terrified of you anymore because you will be disgraced. It says in verse 6, I will throw filth on you and treat you with contempt. So filth, and many times in the word, uh, you can translate that into feces. <laughs> I will throw feces on you and treat you with contempt. I will make a spectacle of you. Then all who see you will recoil uh, from you. And so when they see you, they'll be like appalled because they'll look at you in your nakedness with the, um, your skin full of filth, and they will be... <laughs> just appalled, saying, Nineveh is devastated. Who will show uh, sympathy to her? But the nations will also ask themselves, who will show sympathy to her after all she has done to her surrounding kingdoms? We're, we're not going to have any sympathy on her. It says, where can I find anyone to comfort you? So the Lord is saying, you have been so nasty and mean and, and brutal and cruel to everyone surrounding you. Nobody's going to comfort you. Now, this may seem unfair. Right? Why? Because the Lord actually used Assyria in order to bring discipline and judgment on the northern kingdom, Israel. And so they did that. And now the Lord is turning them over, if you will, to their own destiny. <clears throat> so let's see. That was um, verse 7 in chapter 3. So let's drop down to verse 18. <clears throat> and it says, King of Assyria, your shepherds slumber, your officers sleep. Your people are scattered across the mountains with no one to gather, uh, with no one to gather them together. There is no remedy for your injury. Your wound is severe. All who hear the news about you will clap their hands because you 
uh, will clap their excuse me will clap their hands because of you, for who has not experienced your constant cruelty? So the Lord is essentially saying, Assyria or king of Assyria, you are getting what you deserve. You are now reaping what you have sowed. And that is the end of the book of Nahum. So let's go to Habakkuk. And we see here that Habakkuk uh, again prophesied at roughly the same time. But Habakkuk is different in that he's not prophesying to the people. See, Habakkuk spoke to God on behalf of the people. (laughs) So he's speaking to God on behalf of the people because he's speaking about things that he's witnessing and seeing that he doesn't think is right. And so that he doesn't think is right by God. And so he's inquiring of God. I I don't understand this. What's what's going on? And Habakkuk asked God several questions uh, that we all ask. You know, and, and, and sometimes we get answers and sometimes we don't. But these are things that people have wondered about um, for a long time, you know. And so let, let's just get into this thing. And so in chapter one, it says Habakkuk's first prayer. Verse two, how long, Lord, must I call for help and you not listen or cry out to you about violence and you do not save? See, I mean, Lord, I'm seeing this stuff going on. And it's not right. It's just not right. And so it says, how long must I cry out to you about this, Lord? And it seems like you're not listening. I'm telling you what's going on. I don't have to tell you because you can see what's going on, but it doesn't seem like you're doing anything about it. You're just sitting back and letting this stuff happen. Why? <laughs> you know. In verse 3, it says, why do you force me to look at injustice? And then here is the key question that man has asked throughout time. Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? See, so we witness injustice. We witness things that aren't right. We we witness unrighteousness. And we ask God, we know you don't like this. So, Lord, why do you tolerate it? This is what Habakkuk is saying. He's inquiring of the Lord. Why do you tolerate this? It says, oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. So what I'm seeing actually gets worse. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. But you don't seem like you're doing anything. In verse 4, it says, this is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. For the wicked restrict the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. So the Lord is saying, look, I mean, the Lord, Habakkuk is saying, look, Lord, this is why justice never prevails. This is why the law is ineffective, because it seems like the unlawful, the wicked and the evil are the ones who benefit and and profit. But the righteous seem to suffer. This is why the law is ineffective. Lord, you got to know this. (laughs) It says God's first answer. Verse six. God says, look, I am raising up the Chaldeans, uh, that bitter, impetuous nation that marches across the earth's open spaces to seize terrorists or to seize uh, territories, not its own. So the Lord said, look, I see what's going on. You know, I see what Assyria is doing. I see how they're unrighteous. I see all this. But look, I'm raising up another people. See, and they march across the earth's uh, open spaces to seize territories that aren't theirs. 
I'm going to use them. It says in verse 7, they are fierce and terrifying. Their views of justice and sovereignty stem from, stem from themselves. So, and so the Lord is saying, look, I'm going to use these people. They're not of me because their sense of justice and sovereignty come from themselves. It doesn't come from me, but I'm going to use them. It says in verse 9, all of them, uh, all of them come to do violence. Their faces are set in determination. They gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and rulers are a joke to them. They laugh at every fortress and build siege ramps um, to capture it. So he's talking about the Babylonians because, or, or Chaldeans, because the Babylonians, um, Babylonia would come down and depose Assyria. They, they would take over Assyria's place as the dominant kingdom in the region. And so they would defeat, eventually defeat these, uh, the Assyrians. And it says in verse 11, this is interesting, he says about the Babylonians, their strength is their God. You know, because they view themselves as being strong and, and a warlike people and, uh, those, and conqueror of nations, that's what they worship. See, that's their God. Then it says Habakkuk's second prayer. It says in verse 12, Are you not from eternity, Lord my God, my Holy One? You will not die. Lord, you appointed them to execute judgment. My rock, you destined them to punish us. And so Habakkuk is saying, yeah, okay. Lord, you, you, I, I, I know who you are, and you're my rock, and you dest, destined them to punish us. It says, your eyes are too pure to look on evil, and you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. So Habakkuk is stating the obvious to the Lord. So then he says, so why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? Why are you silent? Why are you silent while one who is wicked swallows up one who is more righteous than himself? So th th that's an interesting question. It says, Lord, you are using the unrighteous. You are using people who are more wicked and more evil to punish people who aren't as evil or as wicked as them. See, it's like the hierarchy in, in, in prison, right? Uh, you know, rapist, uh, you know, murder is number one, then rape, and then you go down from there. It's like, it's like you're, using the murder, you're using the murderer to punish the robber. You know, that, so he's saying, that, I don't get this. It says in verse uh, 14, you have made mankind like the fish of the sea, like marine creatures that have no ruler. The Chaldeans pull them all up with a hook, catch them in their dragnet, and gather them in their fishing net. That is why they are glad and rejoice. In other words, the back is saying, look, you're using the Chaldeans to capture all these people. They're prospering. That is why they're glad. That's why they rejoice, because they're prospering. It says in verse 16, that is why they sacrifice to their dragnet and burn incense to their fishing net. In other words, that is why they worship their tools of war. For by these things, their portion is rich and their food plentiful. For by these tools, by their warfare, they become wealthy and rich and prosperous. You know, and so Habakkuk is like, I don't get this, Lord. I don't get it. Let's go to chapter 2. In chapter 2, it says God's second answer. The Lord answered me. Write down this vision. Clearly inscribe it on tablets 
so no one may easily so so one may easily read it for the vision is yet for the appointed time it testifies about the end and will not lie and so the lord is telling habakkuk okay get some get a scroll write this down so people can easily read it because it's the time isn't now but the time is in the future it says though it delays wait for it see so the lord is telling habakkuk look i got this you know i got my reasons i got this it's going to happen in my time not the time you wanted to happen in but wait for it it says since it will certainly come and not be late in other words it will be on time because it will be in my time is what the lord is telling habakkuk in verse 4 look his ego is inflated he is without integrity. He's talking about Babylon. But the righteous one will live by faith. And so the Lord is telling Habakkuk, look, I know about Babylon. I know what I'm doing. But I'm not, I don't have to answer you. All you need to do is have faith. Just have faith that I know what I'm doing and I'm going to take care of it. That's a tough thing to do, right? You don't know what the timing is. You don't know what the result is going to be. But the Lord is saying, just have faith. I got this. I don't have to explain myself to you. I got it. In verse 5, it says, Moreover, wine betrays. An arrogant man is never at rest. He enlarges his appetite like Sheol, and like death, he is never satisfied. So he's talking about Babylon. He said, look, Babylon is arrogant. He will never be at rest because he has an unending appetite. I know this dude. I created them. <laughs> you know, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to handle them. Don't worry about it. It says the five woes. And so woe to, the, woe to him who amasses what is not his. See, and so the Lord is telling Habakkuk, you know, woe to the, look, I got this. These people are amassing stuff that aren't his. Woe to that person. It says, since you have plundered many nations, all the people who remain will plunder you. Because of human bloodshed and violence against lands, cities, and all who live in them. Verse 9, it says, woe to him who dishonestly makes wealth for his house. And so these two are related. And so the Lord is telling Habakkuk, you know, look, these guys are uh, dishonestly uh, uh, building a kingdom. Okay. Woe to them. They're going to get it. Then it says in verse 12, woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and who founds a town with injustice. See, it says, is it not from the Lord of armies that the people's label labor only to fuel the fire and countries exhaust themselves for nothing. In other words, the Lord is saying, look, people who do this, who build cities with bloodshed, they're going to put labor into it to rebuild them and build a, a grand territory or, or a city or whatever, uh, but they're going to do it for nothing. They're going to exhaust their resources and their efforts for nothing. Then it says in verse 15, Woe to him who gives his neighbors drink, pouring out your wrath, and even making them drunk in order to look at their nakedness. You will be filled with disgrace instead of glory. And so a lot of times when people would conquer lands, you know, they would corrupt the people and get involved in all kind of debauchery and whatnot. And the Lord said, woe to them who do that. You know, and so and the last woe is woe to him. It says to wood, wake up or to mute stone, come alive. In other words, the Lord is saying woe to those who worship idols. It says, can they teach? Look. It may be plated with gold and silver, yet there is no breath in it at all. And so the Lord is saying, woe to those who do this. You know, and the Babylonians were full with, filled with idolatry. And so <laughs> the Lord is telling uh, Habakkuk, woe to people who do this. I got this. Don't worry, dude. I got it. 
chapter 3, it says Habakkuk's third prayer. And it says uh, in verse 2, Lord, I have, heard about, I have heard the report about you. Lord, I stand in awe of your deeds. Revive your work in these years. Make it known in these years. In your wrath, remember mercy. See, so the Lord is saying, I've heard about you, Lord. You know, I know what the deal is, and I know that we, us Judeans, I know we've been evil. Revive your work in these years. Make it known in these years. But, Lord, in your wrath, be, be kind and gentle towards us. Don't give us what we deserve, you know. And then if we drop down to verse 17, the title says Habakkuk's confidence in God expressed. And it says, though the fig tree does not bud and there is no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. In other words, the land is barren. Ain't nothing happening. Though the flocks disappear from the pen. So we got no plant. We got no animal. We got no food. I mean, all this stuff is happening. And it says, uh, yeah, though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls. In verse 18, yet... I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord, my God, is my strength. So even though I may be going through all of this stuff with no hope seemingly on the horizon, no food source, no animals, no plant, everything, it looks barren. You know, it looks like famine is on the, <laughs> is on the horizon. He says, yet I will celebrate in the Lord and I will rejoice in the God of my salvation, because he is my strength. See, you don't need faith when you can see results. You need faith when you can't see anything, when, when, when hope has pretty much evaporated from the scene. That's when you need faith. That's when you need strong faith. That's when you have to know that you know that you know. That's when you get tested. And with that, we are finished with the book of Habakkuk. And so tomorrow we're going to pick up uh, Zephaniah. And remember, again, challenge, read Romans chapter 10, because Jesus is extending an invitation that is not rescinded. It was extended then, and it's still available today, that if you confess that Jesus is Lord sincerely, in your heart and believe that with everything that you have and those words come out of your mouth, the Bible says that you will be saved. It is a promise. And either the Bible is the truth or it's not. It's a binary situation. But you have to respond. With that, everybody take care, be blessed, stay safe, and we'll see you tomorrow for the next episode of The Word Encounter. Bye-bye.